We've had the opportunity to meet and work with a lot of wonderful people. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. It was all started by a mouse. Oh, boy. Here we go. Are you kidding me? Out of the gates? This is not happening. By the way, what title would you like? Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. I ain't like a pig. Pumba, you are a pig. Oh. I almost forgot. That's why they call me Thumper. You're listening to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. My name is David Dollar, and I am your host for this 41st edition of the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Thank you at the top of the show here for uh, for downloading and for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. And yes, this episode is over an hour long, shattering all previous records on lengths of the Magic on a Dollar podcast. And... Um, that's because we get a little long-winded. My good friend Terry Weaver is coming on. He is an author. He is a speaker. He is a conference putter honor. Uh, he, he he does a lot of stuff. He's a podcast co-host. He's a Disney uh, Disney connoisseur like I am. So we have a good time talking about some of the stuff he's got coming up. His, uh, talking about his book, Making Elephants Fly. And, of course, we talk about the Magic Kingdom. We do this first edition of The Good, The Bad, and The Magical. All about the Magic Kingdom. So that's coming up in just a little while. You can find me online. You can find me on the interwebs on Instagram at Magic on a Dollar. Find me on Twitter at Magic on a Dollar. And, of course, the same uh, on Facebook, Magic on a Dollar. Find me also on Facebook, Disney on a Dollar. And that's kind of my main page on, on social media. Uh, but you can go to MagicOnADollar.com for the podcast notes with all the links and everything you'll hear us talk about later on in the show. That's all going to be there, MagicOnADollar.com. Uh, click on the podcast link, and of course, you can find out all about our Disney stuff, our Disney uh, Disney services, and how can I help you plan your trip? I would love to help you. Go there, or just uh, email me, magicalnewdollar at gmail.com. So let's kick this off real quick with some news before we get to talking to Terry. Well, howdy, folks. Let's gather around. Here's some Disney news from around these parts and around the world. Just three quick news stories for you here. First of all, the 20th Century Fox Disney merger is done at 12.02 a.m. It took effect on March 20th. That's actually today I'm recording. Uh, At 12.02 a.m., I don't know the significance of what that means. Uh, I will tell you there were people online, uh, on Twitter and on social media, looking for a reason why it was 12.02. What could this mean? What could this number mean? I don't know that it means anything. But officially at 12.02 a.m. on March 20th, 2019, Fox and 21st Century Fox and all the associated properties, including X-Men and Fantastic Four, became a part of the Walt Disney Company. So it's official, and it's done. James Gunn has been rehired by Disney to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, coming up, uh, I guess, in the next year or two. And, uh, of course, he was fired last year as the director. He did, he was the director of Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. He is a provocative director. He's done some really cool stuff. And he tweeted some stuff way back in 2008, 9, 10, something like that. Uh, some of the stuff, he jokes he makes weren't all that appropriate. Uh, Disney took umbrage with that when somebody finally found those and put them out there. Disney didn't like it, so they fired him, and uh, they rehired him back. My guess, personal opinion, I'm guessing that the cast would was not going to come back without him at the helm. I know that uh, Dave Bautista was very outspoken about the fact that he did not want to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3 unless James Gunn was involved. I know Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Bradley Cooper, uh, Vin Diesel, all the all the actors in the uh, in the movies signed a petition, signed a letter to Disney saying, hey, we support James Gunn. So 
if I had to guess, there was something behind the scenes that said, hey, we're not doing this unless James comes back. And they hired him back. And I'm fine with it. I really, really am. Uh, final bit of news here real quick. The bricks around the Magic Kingdom are going away. Now, these bricks have been seen by millions of people as you're walking around, uh, either from the contemporary uh, or you walk on the pathway to uh, to the Magic Kingdom, maybe from the bus stop and everything. You see the bricks on the bottom. They're kind of kind of a, a hexagon shape with the families on it, family names and everything. They're commemorative bricks and stuff. Well, those are going away. Apparently, they were only under contract to th- 2011, which means they had to be displayed until then. And everything after that was gravy. Well, there's apparently the way it's put in, there's no way to take those bricks out individually. So they can't take them out to return them to the family or to sell them back to the family. So what they're doing is you actually can go in and you can purchase a commemorative brick uh, from Magic Kingdom at Disney Springs with your name on it. They will actually find where your brick is and then they will, you know, they, they get you a new one for like $10, which is not. It's Disney. So anything for $10 is actually pretty good. So it's like a $10 price. I think if you want a brick, but you didn't have one originally, it's like $30. Uh, but you can go there. And they're going to be taking them out one chunk at a time over the next... I don't know where they're going to start, but they're going to start pretty soon. They're going to take them out pretty soon. And um, they're like 6 inches by 8 inches, something like that. And they're also ornament size. You can do art style, personalized with your name. There's different kiosks you can do and such. But if you have a brick there, it's going to go away. If you want a, re- a replacement brick, make sure you stop by one of these kiosks. And that's your real quick Disney news. Hey, let's get on the phone and talk to my good friend Terry Weaver. Hey, and on the line with us, we are live, and we have got a, a good friend of mine on the show, a, a Disney connoisseur as it is, a, a conference uh, extraordinaire, a, an author, a good buddy of mine. He knows a lot of people, and because I am somebody who's very in touch with needing to know people who know people, I know Terry Weaver who knows people. So basically, I know the people that he knows, which is kind of how I look at it. How you doing, Terry? Doing good, David Dollar. How are you, yeah, man? Good, good. I'm good. I'm Aficionado. good. Uh, I feel like I need like a, a pipe. In a velvet jacket and like a <laughs> you do in a monocle, or something. yes, a smoking yes. jacket and a monocle, so you can sit in your big high high back chair with the rivets down the side and, and talk like yeah. this. May I have some? May I have my brandy snifter? <laughs> can I have my Dole Whip served in a in a vegan cone, please? Uh, what I don't even think they make vegan cones, which is ridiculous. But um, no, I would I would argue that I'm sure they do. Probably I think it's just called paper. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, maybe get a Dole Whip and a kale cone. I'm sure that would be delicious. <laughs> sounds fantastic. <laughs> that sounds awful, actually. So we got a, we got some great Disney stuff to come up. We're real quick. I want to, and I, we didn't talk about this before the show, so I'm gonna throw this at you. Uh, I got, I got right here in my hands my copy of Making Elephants Fly, and this is the, this is book, the book that Terry wrote. Uh, and of course, basically, it's all about your dreams and making your dreams fly and that kind of thing. And and uh, I really encourage you guys to go to terryweaver.com and purchase it. And later on in the show, I'm sure I'll do another plug for it or whatever. But I'm just starting it. I've had it for a while. It's been on my pile of books to read. I think people will understand that, you know, yes, I've had the book for a year, but I'm just now starting it. But I'm just now starting it. And it's really some good stuff here. I mean, this is this is some really some great, some great ideas. What are some just real quick, kind of, since you wrote the book, what are some basic concepts you really want people to walk away from when they read this book? Well, a few things. I mean, the book is really inspired by elephants, right? Obviously, making elephants yeah. fly. Because you're a Dumbo so fan, kind of is that right? Obviously, a Dumbo fan. Yeah, of course. Excited about the uh, when this airs. I guess it'll be like T minus a week from the release. Yes, it's coming out uh, soon. Tim Burton's live action, which I'm I'm surprisingly excited. Every I I, I haven't been concerned yet. Right. So everything I've seen leaves me. I've read reviews. I feel good. But I'm I'm not. You know, you're probably a little more on the uh, movie critic. I tend to just like to go see movies to enjoy movies. As do I. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not one of the guys that walks out of a theater and goes, man, the plot holes. Are <laughs> you know what? I got to see Dumbo fly again, and I got to see inside of Tim Burton's head, which is always a bit of an adventure. The, the, the idea actually came. Um, two things were kind of happening at the same time. I was consuming coffee at the uh, Seattle coffee establishment, better known as Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Been there. And a buddy of mine posted uh, on Facebook during that time. Um, he posted, you know, if you can dream it, you can do it, which is a quote often attributed to Walt Disney, which Walt actually never said. But I really <laughs> wanted I kind of got in there and defended the idea. And I post the quote, which is if you can visualize it, if you can dream it, there's some way to do it. Um, and Walt believed and this is where kind of Dumbo comes in. Walt believed that if he in a movie could make Dumbo fly through, you know, his awesome team of animators that he assembled. That the same that he could assemble another team and they could make an elephant fly in a theme park, and Walt just had this that this idea that if that nothing was impossible, there they Disney has always been known um, to push the limits, and I still go on rides like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or go to Disneyland and see you know fabulous moments with Mr. Lincoln and you know see those animatronics and then kind of see them through the lens of they did this in like the late forties early fifties. Right. Yep. You know, like, and it's still relevant. I know a lot of the 90s, I think you could argue, is pretty irrelevant by now. So to think <laughs> of something that's, uh, although Doc Martens are making a comeback, which is real weird right. for me we, right now. Well, we just celebrated um, the anniversary of Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, and all the, you know, the original, most of the original animatronics are in there. I'm sure they've been refurbished over time, but it's the, the, the ride is still there. And part of the appeal of that ride is seeing the pirates and seeing them all move and seeing them all, you know, a, a groove and seeing them talk and th- those kind of things. And it's gone through some changes, obviously, over the last couple of years, but it's still a fantastic ride. And I think that as we as I've gotten older, I, I tend to marvel and more appreciate, almost appreciate more than I even like the ride. I like the ride a lot, but appreciate what it is and how it came to be and like what they what it took to build this ride. This is amazing. And I think most people just kind of ride through and go, oh, look, that's cool. That's really funny. Look, that, you know, the pirate's chasing and, oh, the bride's chasing the pirate with a rolling pan. That's really funny. But just if you really think about how incredible that ride is in terms of the animatronics and what it takes to keep that ride going. And, you know, it's 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 pretty mind blowing. Yeah, I know some uh, some folks in cast members that one of their job, one of the things they have to do on a regular basis on that attraction is go in and change the outfits of the pirates because the animatronics leak right. that are you know full of hydraulic fluid and that's you know that tends to leak and so regularly they have to basically disrobe the pirates <laughs> and give them new clothes the emperor's new clothes if you will so yeah it, it's exciting to see that those ideas that Walt those early those early innovators Ward Kimball and the Davises and just how early those ideas came about and now they're still fun. And so, you know, I, I, I was, at that same day at the Starbucks, I kind of just, I began to just notice every barista that worked there. And it, real quickly, I discovered that no one ever moves to Nashville to work at Starbucks, right. right? They all moved here with some big, massive dream, but for some reason, like life circumstances, um, bills, children, what obligations, education, had them working there at that moment. And I thought, man, and I just started going through like all of my friends and like, oh, man, that guy. I remember that night he told me over coffee of what he wanted to do. And we sat on my couch and he told me this big dream and he's still not doing it. And I was like, I started to think about Walt. I started to think about elephants. And I'm like, man, these guys are just all living with elephants. And so, you know, we've all heard the analogy of the elephant in the room. And I was like, you know, there's a chapter in the book called Elephants Make Bad Pets. And I was like, man, 
that's the deal, man. That the elephant in the room is all of a generation of people that have been told you have to follow the American dream. You know, you go to college, you get married, you find a job that you don't like that much, but it's a safe job and you keep it to your 62 and a half. Somewhere along the line, a white picket fence shows up in your life and you have 2.5 children. That's the American dream. And I think even just as we're recording this, man, you know, I think I think what started this week with the college controversy is going to be the unraveling of American ed- higher education just because you're already right. seeing it. And, you know, here, you know, your your job is you help people plan trips to Walt Disney World. What an amazing job, right? Like, that's what you get to do. You every day get to help people create magical memories and moments Absolutely. for their family. That's mind-blowing. And some people, it'll be their first or only trip that they get to take with their family. And it'll be the thing when their kids grow up that they'll talk about. We all remember those trips. We've all had those, and we all have those memories. And you do it from your house do, in Alabama, from a kitchen right? Table. Or yep. you were at the thing last year, and you know, you're, doing, you're helping people plan those trips um, in, the, in a hallway or right. wherever you are, right? Or, you know, I know you've been like on, on vacation. Well, and it's, done it it's funny you mentioned the thing. And I want to get to that in just a second before we dive into the Magic Kingdom stuff. But uh, I remember last year at the thing. And for the listeners, we'll talk about the thing in just a second so you'll know what we're talking about. But I, I remember at the conference, I had somebody and I don't remember who was speaking. And I think I apologized to them afterwards because I left the room. Somebody had they had their trip coming up and they wanted to add on like four extra days. So their trip was going to be go from five days to like nine or ten days. And so I was on the phone outside on my phone trying to call in, trying to get like them an extra four days per the room, trying to make sure the rooms are connected. I got them all the same room, you know, the same package and everything for, so got that paid for, like it took me, I don't know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And I missed part of lunch and came back in. Everybody else is finished eating. And I'm like, I have to eat my food, but I just, you know, made, I just made some dreams come true, which was awesome because that's what I do. That's what a good travel agent will do is they will, if they can, you know, and I'm not saying that travel agents don't have time boundaries and stuff, but if they can, they will do what they can to make these these magical moments happen. Uh, and, you know, I guess you would say I'm making elephants fly in that manner because that's what I did. And it was it was pretty cool. They were very, very happy with that. I think we you we all grew up at a time where a lot of things seemed impossible. And that's the most inspiring thing about Walt Disney World and Disneyland, probably especially Disneyland. And you're going to see that when you get to go um, later this summer, that when you step foot in there, you go, you know what? All of this was dreamed up by one man who faced extraordinary failure, who one afternoon went to a went to a pu- public park and sat on a park bench and watched his girls on a carousel and said, hmm, I think we could do more than this. I think this could be better. I think families would love a place like this. And then went through the painstaking process to like get the resources together to do it, which was nearly impossible. Mortgaged literally everything. Nope. Don't tell Dave Ramsey. <laughs> and um, put it all on the line so that families could have a place. Opened Disneyland to a borderline failure because the place was barely, you know, they had to decide between like the asphalt right. being dry or bathrooms. And now it's a multi gajillion dollar a year company. Millions of people walk through the gates of a Disney park around the world. You know, as 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 the attraction reminds us in uh, Hollywood studios that better not go away. Yep. This was all one man's dream. This was all one man who had an idea that assembled a team to make it happen. And I think that's what re- that's what Disney World, the Disneyland remind me every time I step or Disneyland Paris that I've been to. It reminds me that one man had a dream and he actually made it happen. And, you know, I hope that when when others get step foot in a Disney theme park, they have that same reaction to go, man, and your kids like, right, like walk there and go, man, this is 
this is possible. This is something someone else with a big dream made happen. I can make my big dreams or even my little dreams. I agree. I agree. I mean, I I love Walt Disney World is my home. That's where I go most of the time. I'm there a couple of times a year. I, I have a deep appreciation for Disneyland as well. When I walk down the street, Main Street on Disneyland, it's that whole sense of this is where Walt Disney walked. He would walk these exact steps down this exact street, bringing orange juice to the construction workers. You know, the castle was built. I'm standing where Walt Disney was standing 60 years ago, which is it's mind blowing to me. And I have such a love for that, that history uh, and that magic. And uh, like you're right, what it took to make that happen is just unreal. And that's why that's why it's it's hard for. And I heard people say, well, we need a fifth gate for Disney World. Or, you know, I know Universal is looking at building a third gate. It's a third gate because the Volcano Bay is not a park, theme park. It's a water park. Um, and so, you know, but Correct. building, that's Truth not story. easy. That is not easy just to clear some land and build a bunch of rides. It is, you know, it takes, I mean, back then, uh, to build, I guess if you had to build a park like Disney World now, it cost you, what, 30 or $40 billion to do that. I mean, it's just crazy to do something like that. I mean, considering these attractions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, California Adventure, Cars Land itself was a $5 billion extension. And I think Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is somewhere around that neighborhood, two or three billion dollars each, uh, you know, at each park. And so it's it's a pretty big deal. But you can find make, Making Elephants Fly at TerryWeaver.com. And of course, he also has a podcast of the same name. Uh, and we'll, we'll give you some plugs at the end of the show as well. But I do want to mention real quick uh, The Thing. And it's a conference that happens once a year. This is what the third annual conference coming up in Orlando. It's a conference I went to last year, and yeah. the way I've been describing it to people, basically, it's a it's a it's like a business conference or a leadership conference, but it's more than that because if you're a small business owner like I am, you get to meet people that are experts in podcasting and blogging and email sales and email marketing and sales funnels and building your business and creativity in business and all these functional business things that you're like, man, I, I really wish my business would do this. I need help in this area. There's probably going to be somebody there that can help you with that. Even if it's just a five minute conversation of, Hey, let me give you some tips and pointers. There are going to be speakers down there. I mean, it's a, it's a great thing. I mean, I had, you know, I've been to conferences before and, and other conferences I loved and I love the atmosphere and the feel of it. Last year I went and it was one of the best conferences I've ever been part of. I've got probably 25 pages of notes, just speaker after speaker of, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need, I made myself like a little vision board out of a big piece of construction paper. And I've actually been able to mark off a lot of the things over the course of the year while doing these things. I'm looking forward to going back. I get to go back in Orlando. So in a, in a synopsis, give me your elevator pitch. What is the thing and why should people come to this? So the thing really began out of a conversation with my buddy. Mick Love Carole, that guy. He's a Disney Imagineer. We've been scheming up kind of doing something together for a long time. And I was like, you know, I want to do this thing. I want to help people put it together. We were going to call it the Assemble Conference, kind of inspired by like the IKEA, the little, the little weird thing that you leave. IKEA I, I was with actually that thinking Avengers, but hey, that's cool. that's cool. Like, yeah, it, it was kind of that thing, but it sort of sounded like a sort of sounded like a discipleship <laughs> now or a bad summer. Elevate, right? <laughs> yeah, your men's men's weekend. We don't call that's it a hilarious. retreat. We call it a forward um, or, or an advance. And so we we wanted to do something. It really kind of kind of spoke to the fact that we we knew that a bunch of weirdos were going to come to our event because we're weirdos, right? And so you know we just sort of joked around like it's the thing, right? Like everybody talks about like, hey, you go on the David Dollars thing, he's having this thing after church on Sunday, or hey, you know Terry Weaver's got this conference in Orlando, are you going to go to his thing? Yeah, and then we realized, wait, you have it. Everyone has a thing. Like everyone has this idea, this side hustle, this drive, this idea they want to accomplish. And let's let's have a place where they actually get around to other people with that same vision and then bring in 
the people that we trust the most with the best ideas and the best vision to really equip them to make that a reality. And we wanted to really combine equal parts inspiration because you want to be inspired. Uh, but we didn't want it to just be like a, a halftime show in a locker room at a football game, you know, where the coach <laughs> right. yells at you and you feel really good and you go run through a wall. We wanted to give you the cool, the tools to dismantle the wall and build a new one that's better. You know, we, we was, every day is, is full of, you know, inspiring people. And even I think the people that are super practical are inspiring too, but we, you know, we wanted to give you the tools to, if you want to write a book, how do you get it published? Right. Like that's, that's something that's going on this year. You know, podcasting, how do you podcast? What's the technology? How do you interview people? How do you go be a guest on podcasting? And really, you know, how do you clarify your message? How do you let people know? How do you, how do you use social media? I remember going to this, this event for when I was a, when I was a youth pastor at a church, I remember going to this, this one day event called Youth Specialties and they did a regional event. And, and one of the rules they always had was, is that you would be able to learn something, their event that was normally on a Friday or Saturday that you'd be able to use Sunday or Wednesday, that you'd be able to take it and put it to work right away. And so we want to give you, you know, we want you to come to the thing and leave with a bunch of things that you can get to work on right away. And even some things that right away, like open up right. your laptop, do this right now. This will change this little tweet. And that's the thing with success is everyone thinks it's like the big things. And, you know, the people that are really successful are just doing a lot of little things well. They're learning how to leverage social media. They're learning how to tell their story online. They're, you know, they're learning how to how to be salesy without feeling like they're being pushy. And so, you know, we, we wanted to put all that together and, you know, how to price your products, how to, you know, just tons of great, of great content that I think whether you have a side hustle or you own a business or you work for a large company and you're thinking about making a switch or I think you can, you would agree right. with this, that it was sort of like the Island of Misfit Toys that, you know, if you looked at the room, it's like, you know, here's David Dollar. He's a travel agent and the lady sitting next to him is a scenic painter for theme parks. The guy sitting next to him um, makes sculptures that he sells online. I was going to say that's kind of the stuff that happened while, yeah, that's, that's why we were there. I mean, it was really, it, it was all walks of life, all different things, stuff I'd never even thought about. It's really cool. I mean, it's a whole group, a collected group of people that again, I felt like anybody in that room I could have gone to and said, Hey, can I have five minutes? Can you tell me about this? Can you tell me about that? And, and I'm not saying that they would give the, you all of their secrets because a lot of people charge for their expertise as well. They should. But there are people that don't mind saying, yeah, let me give you a few tips here, and I'd love to help you out a little bit to get you on your way, and then we can talk further down the road if you want to, which I think is remarkable. You're going to find all that information. Um, and I'll have actually go to magicunadollar.com, click on the podcast page. You'll see the show notes for this particular episode, and I'll have the links there to Terry Weaver's website, terryweaver.com, and you can go to the thing from there and kind of see it. And at the end of the show, I'll, kind of, I'll, I'll see if I can give you a discount code for you guys if you guys are looking to go. I would love to get you guys on your way, and come find me. Come say hey to me. Not that I'm all that important because I'm just a small time podcaster, but you can find Terry, give that guy a big bear hug and, you know, say, hey, you made my elephants fly or whatever it is that you want to say to somebody you heard on the on a podcast. So, All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Magic Kingdom. And the concept is the good, the bad and the magical. Now, of course, you hear good, bad and you automatically think ugly. But that's two negatives versus one positive, and we want to make two positives and maybe somewhat a negative. We're not going to be too mean, but you know, we want to be real. There are a few things Disney could always work on. So we're going to go land by land. We'll start with Main Street USA and just give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start with the good. We'll go back and forth here. And, and Terry, what's Main Street USA? The good. Give me the good. The good, the merchandise. There's so much great merchandise up and down Main Street USA. Aside from the fact that I've been to Marceline, Missouri, which is the town that Walt um, spent many of his uh, formative years in, and, and it, man, it is spot on. 
it you feel like you're walking down Marceline, Missouri, the early 20s when Walt was there. I mean, it's just you feel like you're in it at the time. If you get to Magic Kingdom early in the day, you know, this is probably this probably enters into the the magical, but the streetcars and the fire truck and just all that stuff on the streets in the morning. I think it's a great entry into, you know, stepping back in time and reminding you you're kind of in a different place now. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, my my good is something that's free in the Magic Kingdom, which you don't get a whole lot of. Uh, go over to the fire station. When you walk un- into the main street and you walk under the little awning, little tunnel where the train station is, you walk into the town square over in the corner in the left, you get the fire station. And you can play Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. And it's a little card game. They give you some cards. You can't see the cards. They're kind of wrapped up in a little package. And they give you a map. And you can go all over the Magic Kingdom. You stand in a spot kind of in front of a wall or in front of a mirror or in front of a, uh, in front of a, a window, a very nondescript area that you don't think anything's coming. You hold up the card, and you'll see a villain. And that card, like, you know, if you have, say, Baloo is on your card, and Baloo has, you know, coconut blasting power, that, that, that whatever's in the screen will interact with that card and, you know, it's, it's you're having an adventure and you can do it anytime, pick up anywhere you want to, stop anytime you want to. And for little kids, for adults, for people who've been a lot and they want something different, it's cool to just go and, and play Sorcerer of the Magic Kingdom. Or if you don't have time to play, just go get your cards. I have a big stack of cards that I've collected. I think I've only played once or twice, but I always get the cards because they're free. And you don't get many free things in the Magic Kingdom at all. So I love, I love getting Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom cards at special events. They have special cards and stuff. So, so that's the good for me. So uh, for Main Street, the bad. It gets real crowded. Oh yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's 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 the it's the worst choke point, I think, in any theme park in the world. Lee. You know, Magic Kingdom is built on the second floor of a swamp, essentially, and so you know you what. You, you're kind of going uphill as you come into the park, if you notice when you get on the boats. And I think that's a good thing to get perspective and kind of the, the literally, you know, we just talked earlier about how much work it took to create these things. You know, you get on the boats or come off the monorail and you literally can see kind of the hill you're going up. You're walking up a ramp to the second floor. And so once you get through the gates, security, all of that's kind of a, oh, gosh. And then, you, you, know, you know, you can see the sign that says under here, you enter the world of yesterday and the world of tomorrow. And then right there, everyone just kind of stops and stands there. Yes. And uh, and that's, you know, that's probably one of the, we didn't say the ugly, but the ugly, I think, at the Magic Kingdom more than any park is people just stop anywhere. In fact, I saw a picture on social media earlier today of a family they had to ask to move because they just sat in the middle of Main Street um, <laughs> thinking they could, like, have a picnic there or something. It's like, do you want to die? Like, people will just trample over you there. Mostly middle-aged women driving <laughs> well and and t- to that point the the bad that i had was basically parade viewing um not so much parade viewing it's great to watch a parade on main street it's kind of classic you take pictures of the floats of the main street behind you or you can even get if you take long shots down main street get the castle behind the float in the picture which is great uh but the crowds on the curbs are insane and you have some families that will camp out for an hour two hours th- three hours depending on how busy the park is which is fine. If you want to go get that spot, you do that. You get that spot. You find a spot. We've done it. We've camped out two hours for a parade or a special event when it's really crowded. But what's worse is when people come up who have not, who just got there. The parade starts in 15 minutes. They're like, well, hey, I'm going to walk up here and find a spot. They crowd you. They try to get right in front of you. And, you know, the cast members don't, don't pay attention to who's there. They just know they have to get you out of the streets. So they will push you back. And if you're already sitting there and somebody comes in front of you, guess what? You may have to back up. The person who just walked up gets to sit down in front of you. 
or you have the family that comes behind you. And, and I find this happening more with, with international families because I don't know that they know a lot of the customs. Sometimes um, they will push their children, which happens with American families too. They will push their children in between you and whoever you're sitting with so that your children can sit in front of you, which on one hand, you want the kids to be able to see. And I'm almost okay with the kids sitting beside or even right in front of me to see a parade. What I don't like is to look around and all of a sudden seeing a three-year-old or four-year-old child being pushed between my wife and I because they, the family behind us wants them to see without even saying, hey, would you mind? So that's, that can get yeah. kind of bad. That's a little crazy for me. Yeah, and I think, I think people might be the ugly if we're going to do the ugly yeah. parts, right? Like, that, I mean, I kind of mentioned the, the people sitting in the street. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I've politely said as a reminder to folks before, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy you're on vacation. But remember, you're not on vacation for being a parent. You have to kind of watch your children. And I get it, man. I think entitlement really like rears its ugly head the most in the, in the, in the world's happiest place. I get it. We're all there. We've all spent a ton of money to be there. I always try to like remind myself that someone who is there might be on their only trip that they've saved their entire life. Or, or they're there on a make-a-wish trip. Right. And this is it. This is their trip. And I, I try to remember that. But yeah, it can get real hard with those those families. And sometimes sometimes you have to kind of you have to kind of stand your ground, especially if it's like, you know, my wife has some health concerns. So it's just like there's some things when people get when people cross a line and go too far with those things, it's like, listen, she needs to sit here. Right. This is what's happening. Deal with right. it. You know, well, I, for, well for, I will say for the fireworks and for the castle show, we always go to the hub anyway. We don't like sitting on Main Street for that. And for the parade, we, we tend to go over in the corner by the Emporium next to the barbershop. That little corner tends to be not quite as crowded. I guess people either don't know it's over there or they don't think it's a good place to stand. And you see the Festival Fantasy Parade as it's going backstage. And I'm, we're fine with that. We've walked out of the Emporium before to find great spots right there by the rope. So that's just a little tip for you there for the, for the listeners. <laughs> great spot. My favorite place to see the parade I haven't seen it there from so if somebody tries this and something's changed, but in front of uh, what's the what's the quick service there on the corner in Frontierland that everybody loves? Oh, that Pecos Bills, hamburger bar, Pecos Bills, Pecos yeah. Bills. Um, there's like a wall outside, a brick wall outside of there that you can kind of sit on. Um, and the parade kind of comes, you know, comes comes but, and goes. It right starts there, there yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's a great place too if you can get there quick enough to sit there because that that wall is pretty popular because people. It's a, it's a place to sit. And so, you know, you got to get ready for that. And that's the, that's good advice, man. You know, the parade, you don't have to do the parade every trip, but if you're all in on the parade, you know, give yourself some time, get a spot, yep. get something to drink and sit there and plan on watching the parade. Don't, don't come at two forty seven and think you're going to walk up right. and, you know, get there, get there a little early and, you know, enjoy it. And if you have, and not, not to make this a whole like, you know, parade viewing tip thing, but if you have a big family or a family of say three or four or five kids, five people, uh, you know, put your stuff down. That's fine. You know, leave three people there. Let dad and one of the kids go get something to drink or the bathroom or whatever, you know, let, uh, if one of the kids, one of the teenagers wants to go ride a ride, that's fine. Don't leave one person to hold a spot for five people uh, while four people go and have fun in the parks. And then come and, you know, tag out or whatever, because people will get in your space. It is hard to defend five people's sitting space when people are crowding around you. Yeah. So just be aware of that. But, you know, it, it's OK to have three people, four people there, send one or two out to go get funnel cake or whatever. And, you know, if you've only got an hour, I would not suggest going to try to ride the Haunted Mansion when you're waiting for a parade. It's 
you're sitting there for a reason because you want to see the parade. If you don't want to see it, you don't want to sit there, that's fine. Do something else, but just kind of be aware of that. So let's head on down Main Street. Let's go into Fantasyland, and, and I'll start with I'll start with a good. Hey, we forgot the magical. What? Oh, are we? Oh, we, we do magical too. Magical. Oh, okay. Well, let's do. Oh, that's right. We did forget the magical. What kind of operation is this? <laughs> this is why my podcast uh, hasn't grown as much as I wanted it to because we're still small fries. Uh, magical, Terry. What's our magical? Man, I think the train on Main Street. I love the train. Magical. Walt loved trains. So because it was his theme park and his name was on the sign, he's like, we're going to have a train in here. And I just I think there's something magical. In fact, if you've never been, I highly recommend coming to the park and taking a grand circle tour. Go all the way around. You get to see everything. It's just beautiful. It's a fun way to experience. And it sort of works a little bit to take you back in time. So I think the trade's definitely that is that is a great nap place as well. So for people who are looking for a place to go, a place to sit, even when it's hot in, in the middle of summer, my wife and I have many times gotten on the train and circled the park like four times. My wife will take a nap. You know, I'll relax, rest my feet. Uh, you know, if you get depending on where you go, the, the, the kid can kind of get out of a stroller and move around just a little bit, kind of flex his legs a little bit, not run around, but just kind of stand up a little here and there. But it's a great place for a nap. It really, really is. My my magical is I love the way that that Magic King, that Main Street sets up your visit for the Magic Kingdom, and the way I understand it, and Terry, you know more maybe more more about this than I do, so you can correct me. But the way I understand it is Walt basically had this is a show. It's a show. It is a show. That's why they call cast members. That's why on on the regular floor that you see everybody, it's called a stage. Backstage is where all the the back behind the scenes stuff is, and when you walk in, you see. Uh, you see the train as you're walking towards the Magic Kingdom. That's kind of the curtain as you're walking under. That is the curtain that's opening up to the show. You walk in, and there is you don't see the castle as soon as you walk into Town Square. You have to kind of go around a corner. But as you're rounding that corner, you see that castle, and there's your presentation. You look up and see the windows, see all the names on the windows. Those are like the the those are all pe- very important people when it comes to Disney World history or Disney history. And those are the credits. So those are the credits and everything. And as you actually one thing I forgot, as you pass under the train station, you see you know posters for for different attractions and stuff those are the coming attractions so you walk in you see as you walk around you see the reveal there's the castle there's the names of the windows and of course the last name you get to is walt disney who is the director of the show just like watching a movie where you see coming attractions you see the title card there's the credits there's the director i love how he set that up i think it's I, I, I most people don't realize that i don't think i don't think most people understand that's how it was set on purpose but just having that big reveal, if you've never seen the castle, if your kids have never seen the castle, walking around that corner and seeing Cinderella's castle up that little hill for the first time, it's incredible. It's just such a beautiful, and I still, I've been a dozen, you know, two dozen times, I still see that castle, and I guess we chill sometimes, because I just think it's, I, like, I'm here. I am here on Main Street, there's Cinderella's castle, I'm walking, there's the credits, here's the director, let's start the show. And I love how it's set up. I love the magic. I love Main Street USA. I think it's great. Let's Let's head on down to to Main sure. Street. Let's head on down to Fantasyland. Let's now look at Fantasyland. And uh, for me, for for what's good about Fantasyland is the rides there are are ageless. And I know people and and in travel planning, people say, well, you know, my kids are too old for Small World, and they're too old for for Dumbo, and they're too old for what's Storybook Circus, but they're too old for Winnie the Pooh. They're not. These rides are for everybody, and these rides have something for everybody. Peter Pan's Flight. We go on that that, that ride no matter what. Every single time, it's my wife's favorite ride, and it's just a simple ride. All you're doing is touring through Neverland on a sh- on a little boat that goes above and everything, and and just seeing the little the the scene below where you see London and little cars zipping by. Just I think it's it's my favorite scene in that ride. The rides are ageless. You can't just age out of a ride. Nothing is too little or too big for you. I think it's I think it's wonderful. I love that about the attractions at at, at Fantasyland. You know, I, I would say there's only 
there's only one ride that I would say in Fantasyland that just kind of has a sense of lameness that is probably not for everybody. And I would say that would be Barnstormer, the, the kitty roller coaster that's in there. I don't even know that it's for kids. A lot of people, it's not there. It's definitely <laughs> right. not the highlight of the Magic Kingdom. You know, the whole th- Fantasyland is kind of broken down into three areas the castle courtyard kind of you know right behind the castle which is where your small world peter pan's flight is you got pinocchio's restaurant you got the winnie the pooh ride a couple of shops and you know and then you have seven dwarfs mind stain and then just the other side when they expanded fantasy land they put up the castle walls and on the other side of the Castle Walls as the Enchanted Forest. And that's where you can go see Beast Castle, either be our guest, um, go ride with Little Mermaid, and then the and then the storybook circus area, which is where you'll find Dumbo and uh, his friends. And so, you know, I mean Fantasyland is is, in my opinion, classic. It is the epitome of what Walt wanted to create. Um fun piece of trivia, your wife's favorite attraction also happens to be Mr. Walt Disney's favorite attraction. He loved Peter Pan. He loved that ride. And, you know, when we talk about timelessness of things, you know, you think that that, you know, that ride was done oh, yeah. 25 yeah. years ago, you know, like basically when they started working on that, you know, 70 years ago. And so, you know, it's still, it's still convincing. Um, in fact, I think it's the one ride that you at least need a ride at one time without a fast pass. Uh, because the queue is magical when you get through there, it takes your place. The the good is definitely. Um, I don't even know that there's yeah. just good. I think <laughs> I it's all that. magical in 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 uh, Fantasyland. It's just all pretty pretty great. You know, there is you know just to keep us moving. The bad is is there's really there's really nothing fantastic to eat there. Um, I like Lafru's Brew, which is in uh, the Enchanted Forest area, which is a little snack. There's a cinnamon roll um I mean, be our guest restaurant i guess is there but as far as like quick service i think that's probably the bad of the magic kingdom is quick the, the quick service um opportunities the lack of like food you know i think you, you can get a, a there's a bunch of options right. to get a cheeseburger you know or a hot dog you know casey's corner on, on main street you know it's but you're getting it because it's not nostalgic nostalgic not because it's like this is delicious you know it's the only place I can find on property that serves corn dog nuggets, and I am a corn dog aficionado, and I love corn dogs. So sign me up for the corn dog nuggets all day long. I'll yeah, take and them. what's interesting is the corn dog at Disneyland it, in, in their version of the Magic Kingdom is a glorious creation, but yet the same thing. It's just it's different at <laughs> Magic at Disneyland World. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if the the corn dog technology hasn't made it east yet or not, but. Uh, I do like those corn dog nuggets. You're not wrong. I do. I really do. My uh, the the bad for me for for Fantasyland, and I guess incorporating Starbucks Circus all into one. I, I've never bought into how Beast Castle looks, and I get mm-hmm. how you know it's it's up on a hill, forced perspective, and you're supposed to be looking at a at a castle on a hill. It's kind of the way it's built, and it's kind of in the distance. It, it it's never looked real to me. Um, and I feel, I mean, that's a, that's a large order to make a castle look real when it's up on the hill, like small like that. But I feel like they've done these kind of things before and it's much more convincing. It just, to me, it looks like a small castle set on a rock in the distance. It's always looked that way to me before. And I feel just like it's, it could have been done better. Uh, I don't know. And I see that every time I, and it doesn't really take me out of the magic, 
but I don't buy into the castle up there on the hill. I don't see that at all as, hey, I'm looking in the distance at Beast's glorious castle way back there. I'm just like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a small little little building thing sitting on a rock. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, it's. I feel like they could have done that better. That whole, honestly, that you was know? my whole feeling. The last major thing before Galaxy's Edge. I mean, obviously we've had Toy Story Land come up, but the last like big, big, big thing that they did was the Fantasyland expansion. Dun, dun, dun. Right, and it was so much fanfare, yeah. and like. You know, they had these like dri- these ride vehicles driving around on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. They were going to shake you side to side. I was honestly super underwhelmed by the whole thing. I well, you can still shake side to side. You just have to yeah. work for it. You have to do the shaking. I like, I like, you know, some of the things they did, but it it just didn't. The the, the most brilliant thing to me, and this will get me into the magical, was I, the the, the two piece Dumbo where you walk through the tent. I mean, that was a great that was a great, yeah. and you can ride that ride a lot easier now. What I love about Dumbo, too, I tell people, don't get a fast pass for that. You want to go through the queue for that because you want to, especially if you have children, you want to get to that playground right in the middle of the, of, of the tent. Uh, because if you have a fast pass for it, you might have to, you might go right past it. You may not get to go to the playground. It's a great place to go in, have a seat, relax for 15 minutes. There's this great playground the kids can play on. Adults can play on this little playground. I've been all through that entire thing. Cast member told me it was just fine to do so. Uh, you can play with your kids, chase your kids around in there if you want to do that. It's a great little playground. And that's, that's pretty cool to me, the fact that they did that. And then when you, when you have a little beeper, it's almost like you're waiting for the Olive Garden attendant to call you for dinner. Uh, you have a little beeper. When it goes off, whenever you're ready, you can go ride the ride. And I think that's brilliant to be able to do that. Soup, salad, and elephants. Exactly. Exactly. For me, the magical part, this is more something a little, little more specific. I love, I love Enchanted Tales with Belle. I really do. And it's another one I recommend to families who, especially they don't know yeah. a lot about whatever. It's, it's. It's a little little show, basically, they, the telling of Beauty and the Beast, as you've been told a thousand times. There's like 15 different places in the parks to hear a Beauty and the Beast story told. Uh, but you go in there, a little group, and they have this magic mirror that you basically let you walk through the wall. And I watch it every time, and I'm still not quite sure how it works. Uh, like, I study it. I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for it to move. I'm waiting for it to move. And then it does, and I'm like, crap, I missed it. Um, so it's it's really cool. And the fun thing about it is they assign parts to the show. So if you want to be in the show, they, you know, they... Who wants to be the beast? And we need a we need a we need a horse. We need some knights. We need you know whoever. And at the end of all the, the the parts that are being filled, they call out, "Okay, did anybody not get a part that wants to be a part of the show?" And you can raise your hand or you don't. Uh, kids and adults. Uh, I have been a knight a couple of times. I've been a plate. I've been a fork. I've been a horse once. I've been in this thing four or five times doing different things. Um, and they always have a little child, a little girl or boy, be the beast. And Belle comes out and she they tell the show. Uh, everybody gets a picture with Belle, and it's such a cool little attraction you get to walk through maurice's castle and you're, when you're in the queue and look at everything and it's just I, I don't know that it's under what i don't know that it's unknown because uh, you know fast passes go for it fairly quickly but it's something that if people don't know about it they want to skip it because they're like it's like story time with bell i don't want to do that you do especially with a family it's a yeah. great for moms it's a great time for pictures to get your husband up there yeah. with a with a night helmet on and get your child there you know as a horse or as the beast or whatever that's those are those are pictures you cannot replicate uh so definitely do that if you have a chance i love enchanted tales with bell i think i go to it every time we can yep and i think definitely i don't do that every time but but the first several times i did it it absolutely blew my mind you know because disney's kind of part of my business that i'm a little different when it comes to those things because there's some things i want to do over and over again and there's some things that are just like okay i tend to do it infrequently and i'll take people who haven't been before and i love doing that right because it's definitely it definitely, I haven't figured that part out either. It definitely is, is magical. And it's a, 
it's just an interesting way, way to to tell the story and you all feel like you're part of it. It also makes the character interaction a little, a little different, right? Yeah, you go and, through Maurice's house. Super fun. And it's well and it's cool too because they don't just assign the parts and then they're done. Okay, well if you didn't get a part, maybe next time you can get one. Like if you look in that cabinet they open up, the wardrobe is there. And she's talking to you and she opens up and there's there are dozens of props there. So if, if you know, and I'm sure they only take so many people, you know, per tour group, probably 20 or 25. There are parts for everybody. So if everybody wanted to be in the show, everybody in that room could be in the show. And I think that's awesome that they're able to just open it up to, you know, if you want a part, you could be in the show. You don't have to just sit there and not be picked on, not be called on, which is really, really cool. So, all right. So coming out of Fantasyland Starbucks Circus, let's go over across the bridge over to Tomorrowland. What's good about Tomorrowland, Mr. Weaver? Uh, Tomorrowland, Space Mountain. Actually, there's not a lot I don't, there's not a lot I hate about, uh, Tomorrowland, it's fun. A lot of great attractions. The bad, just so we're we're keeping this. The bad is there used to be a trash can there that talked. Uh, push, push, and he was one of my favorite. Push. Um, yeah, we had we had push at our uh, at our. We did a podcast like meetup, and we had the guy that the guy that did that did the trash can like at, still has him because they still do him in Paris and a few other places. Uh, but I loved Push. That was kind of a, 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 you know, one of the little fun things. That's sadly, that's kind of my bad. I, you know, the the laugh floor, it's hit or miss. But it's it's uh, I mean, that, there's there's not a whole lot. I, in fact, there's so much nostalgia for me on on in tomorrow. Although it's not very, it doesn't feel very futuristic. Right. <laughs> it almost feels like like retro tomorrow. It kind of feels like. Well, it feels like the Jetsons. It's like you guys lied to me. There are no flying cars. Um. You know, it's got this goofy old school attraction that was a world fair, you know, the with a great big beautiful carousel of progress, right? Uh, carousel of progress that doesn't seem to be progressing very much, but it's still there and it's kind of fun. And there's a old ride called the People Mover where you just sit and only, oh, you know, my tip for that is only let them put two people in your car. So you, my wife and I sit across mm-hmm. from each other and we both put our feet yep. up and kind of relax yep. and get a little breeze and like just enjoy kind of a minute of our feet not throbbing you know so yeah for me the 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 good um i i love the carousel progress and i actually enjoy the laugh floor as well i love buzz Lightyear. Uh, i love the people mover and just what you said put your feet up it's a great place to just sit and relax and if you want to nap you can nap but otherwise you can you can zip around there and some of the views you have are great even during summer hot days or during really well when you're really cold days it kind of hurts because it can get cold in that little thing because it kind of zips along but some of the views of the castle you get to see especially if you go at night during the fireworks you're zipping along that little track and it kind of goes all through Tomorrowland. So you get to look over the rides over the grounds it goes through space mountain occasionally you get that scene where the space mountain lights are on so you actually see the roller coaster itself for a you know brief couple of seconds which is really cool uh i love i love the people mover i it's again it's it's one of those handful of rides that we go on every single time we go we make sure we do the people mover it loads quickly even if the line's really long, the line moves pretty fast because the way it's set up. And we were able to get on the ride pretty fast. You get on it, you zoom through it, you know, and on slow days when the line's not very big, a lot of times they'll just let you stay on. And that's happened to me a couple of times where I'm just like, can we just stay here? Sure, go ahead. Ride the ride again. Keep your feet up just you know, and just relax. The bad for me is in the same area. It's the queue to the Astro Orbiter. Now, the Astro Orbiter is a ride that sits on top of a little... I guess a little setup or whatever, and you get to look out over the magic, over the Magic Kingdom, over Tomorrowland, 
And as you're sitting in the thing, it's like Dumbo. It kind of goes in one big circle, you're in little rocket ships. The queue is awful. You have to get into a little corral, then you go up an elevator, get to another little corral, and then you're on the ride, and it takes forever. There's no fast passes available. I, I don't know what they can do to fix that, but I hate that queue. I don't do the Astro Orbiter very often because I hate the queue. I mean, that's like one of the few rides I refuse to go on because of the queue itself. It's just, it's miserable. It's just a miserable ride, miserable experience for three minutes atop a little thing. Yeah, everything yeah. about that is, and it's, it's, uh, as a, as a larger gentleman, it's not the most spacious of rides. Right. Either. Right. And so I, I don't love, there's, there's, there's really nothing to like about that other than the yeah. view from up there. Yeah. Which I think you can get similar views. Obviously, you're not quite as high on the people mover, but similar views, you know, from, from there. Uh, as far as the, uh, as far as the, the magical goes, I love Tomorrowland at night. Tomorrowland at night is just, it's gorgeous. It's neon and the lights and the sounds and you hear the music, the, the come from Space Mountain, the little tune from there. You know, you over in the distance, you hear a Buzz Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear, Star Command. You hear that in the corner and just the, the, the whirring of the people mover. And, uh, you know, it's it's all this this a buzz of like, it's almost like a little city kind of thing with the atmosphere with the lights and the city. It just, it's great. It's so magical to be there at night and you don't see much of the fireworks and the fireworks are going off or hardly any actually. It's just, it's, it's cool. It's great. I mean, it's, I love being there at night and walking around and just seeing all the lights that are there. So magical. Uh, it's magical for me at Tomorrowland at night. One of my favorite places to be at night in the magic kingdom. So leaving Tomorrowland, let's zip on over and across the park to Liberty square. Small little area, We've got Hall of Presidents and Haunted Mansion. That's your Liberty Square area and the riverboat that's there as well, which is open most of the time. I've been there several times when it's not open for refurbishment or it closes early at night or whatever. But uh, what's what's our what's our good at uh, Liberty Square? I love the Muppets present great moments in America. That is wonderful. I will. Yes. And you are seeing actual Muppets. They're a little lar- They're a little enlarged. But man, I remember that day just in the first time. Fun fact about Liberty <laughs> Square. This might be the ugly, but I love it. Is there's a in, in Liber- the Liberty Square area. The whole thing sort of has a cobblestone right. feel to it. Um, except from the very middle, there's a sidewalk that kind of runs around. Yes. Brown. Well, that's and that's a throwback to the uh, sewage system in our colonial days. <laughs> I'll let you figure that out. Um. What can Brown do? For well, you, you know they they had kind of they had uh, crappy ways of doing least, things back then. So yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, but I'm bummed. Yep, lots of lots of good puns. But uh, yeah, I mean, man, this there's really this is a, this is such a great area. Um, man, I'm gonna have a hard time finding something to hate about this. I mean, there's you know you it, it, go see one of the shows at with the Muppets and then walk in see the Hall of Presidents. Regardless of who's president, I love going in there, and th- that show always la- leaves me proud to be an American. Now that I've seen the new version of the show a few times, it leaves me a little cooler and a little right. well rested right. <laughs> before I head back into the park. I mean, the riverboat, the freaking haunted mansion. A lot of folks love Columbia Harbor House. I love Liberty Tree Tavern. It's one of my favorite goofy little places to eat at Walt Disney World because it's Thanksgiving every day. There's just something about every now and then you want Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, that whole area, it, it's it's a real small yeah. area. It's pretty compact. But you just, when you round the corner into there, it just, I mean, I grew up in Virginia, so I spent tons of time in Williamsburg. It definitely kind of takes you back to like our American Revolution. Um, yeah, man, it's just, a, it's a great area. I, I think 
you know, the good, the bad, the magical. The magical for me would be, you know, it's just magical that we live in a country where the freedoms we do, and that place kind of reminds me of that about just kind of how you know that the, the how remarkable the american experiment really is. Uh, yeah i agree i, I to, to encompass all of mine i think uh the magical for me is the muppets seeing the muppets for the first time i'm a huge muppet fan and just watching that oh. show was amazing i loved it the bad is the setup of where you have to be to watch the muppets because it is in wide open space there's no trees there's yeah. no shelter if you're standing there and let's just say it's june or july it's 96 degrees outside uh you're in the hot blazing sun waiting for the Muppets to come out and do their thing. And sometimes because the crowds will build to see the Muppets, you have to wait there 10, 15, 20 minutes to see the show. And you're just standing there waiting and it is miserable. I don't, I don't know what they can do to put shade there. If they can, you know, attach some branches to some nearby trees or something. I don't know, but it's just, it's a little crazy. Uh, so that's the bad for me. The magical, uh, of course is the Muppets, the good, uh, to kind of reverse all of them. Good, bad, magical. The little, I think it's called Sleepy Hollow. There's like a little kiosk food service place there. Some of the best funnel cake I've ever had is right there. And they have other things, waffle sandwiches, and ice cream, things like that. But there is nothing better than getting a funnel cake right there, taking it back to the hub where your family is sitting and watching the show, watching the fireworks, watching the castle show, eating your funnel cake, getting powdered sugar everywhere. Love it. It's so good. Um, especially on crisp days, November, December, something like that, you get a hot piece of funnel cake with powdered sugar everywhere, watching the watching the shows. It's awesome. So that's my that's my good, my bad, and my ugly all wrapped in one. Over in uh, Adventureland, that's where we're going to see our Aladdin's Magic Carpet and our Jungle Cruise and our Pirates of the Caribbean and things like that. So uh, for me, uh, the good is it's got to be the Jungle Cruise. It's I know every joke. I know just about every joke. Every now and then they'll throw a new one in there. And I've actually heard one a couple of years ago they threw, which was one of the best jokes I've ever heard. And I've heard it now several times. So it made me think they've kind of re-upped some of the jokes. But the jokes are all there. And the, you know, the 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 ginger snaps and he'll get the point in the end. And, you know, the backside of water. It's so much fun. And that's the area that Walt Disney actually wanted. Not not in Walt Disney World, but at Disneyland. He wanted real animals there and it just wasn't sustainable and so they did the the animatronic animals which works perfectly i love the jungle cruise i think it's so much fun the bad back to the jungle cruise is the fact that disney has not done not done proper maintenance on those boats so if you're in the back of the ship you're gonna hear it's the speakers on some of those boats are pretty terrible i mean they're pretty awful and if you're a first-time guest on the Jungle Cruise, you're going to miss half of it because this is it's miserable. It's I'm like I don't know how much it takes to fix a speaker system on a boat, but it can't be that much. You just raise prices on tickets, Disney. Come on, put put a hundred thousand dollars into fixing the boats. So yeah, fix that or just that whole attraction. I, I'm fearful they're make the Rock is currently right. making a Jungle Cruise movie right now, which is of all the things that Disney's done lately, um, and I think that's going to affect that attraction. I'm fearful. Literally scared. Like every time I see a little something, do you think up, they're going to put the rock in <laughs> Jungle King, uh, uh, the um, Jungle Cruise, like they did? Oh, sure. The, the, the rock, the rock will be squeezed right. in there. That story. I mean, they've already kind of said. Well, I'm hoping it's that. temporary. Like right now, I know some of the some of the hippos aren't working. I know. Uh, I, I want to say ginger. Right. Ginger's not snapping right now. Um, there's a website I found the other day. If you're a Disney fan, there's a site that literally just I've lists seen that. everything that's broken. I've seen that. And I, I, the Disney I feel like <laughs> I I lost a good hour of a fascinating, and that's and that is if you want to talk about what's ugly right now with Disney. Disney prices are through the dang roof. I wish there was like a Disney stock index where I could have bought, 
you know, 20 or 30 years ago. Cause it's moving at like, well that, and they're not, it's like they're, and I understand um, they've got a lot of projects in the works and they're, they're fixing things, but it's like, they're not paying attention to what they have now. Yeah, that's really, uh, they need to, yeah. they need to spend like a solid week on every attraction, close it down for a week, repaint it, do touch-ups and then close it down longer to fix. I mean, they need to fix everything. You got the, the 50th anniversary coming up. We don't need to hear on the jungle cruise. We don't need to see the, the grime and the dirt, the trash and buzz light your space yeah. ranger spin as you're zipping around. You look over the side. There's all that crap. Just people throw out. Come on, people. You know, we don't need to see that because we're paying a lot of money to go. We need to clean park. And Disney used to pride itself on being clean and have trash cans everywhere in the magic kingdom. It's every 26 spaces, you know, uh, spaces you have a trash can. It's not that way anymore. You have still have the trash cans, but it's not nearly as clean as it used to be. And I'm just like, can you just fix that? Come on, get that fixed. That's the bad. <laughs> I feel like my buddy Walt Disney, my, really my buddy Willie Cockrell, <laughs> uh, he used to run uh, down there, would be livid um, on some of those things. And I, you know, like like the Yeti on, you know, Everest. It's like, come on, guys, right. like, just fix stuff. And I know Mc, McNair, when we were, we went to Imagineering together this fall, and he even we, we we got to meet the the vice president of Imagineering, Bob Weiss, and McNair kind of mentioned like three or four things he saw. <laughs> like, Come on, guys, make well. See what happens is Imagineering is sort of like like Chevrolet. They make the car, they send the car to the dealer, and then when the dealer the, when 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 it's done, the dealer kind of hands the keys over to the person that's got to operate it. And that's what Imagineering does with park operations. Yeah, there's definitely some some things that are like. Yeah, come on, guys, clean it up. And you know they, when they're spending a ton of money, they're not they're they're sort of taking from one thing to be able to do all the development. So. Well, I would say to steer it back to the positive vibes, uh, I would say the magical for me is Dole Whip. They sell Dole Whip right there in Adventureland. And if you've never had a Dole, and I'll be honest with you, I'll confess with you, I don't like the the pineapple Dole Whip as much as I do the vanilla soft serve and the orange soft serve they have. I love that stuff. I would pay extra money to come back behind the counter and just put my mouth under the spout, let them just turn it on. It's so good. It is so good. Um, everybody loves the Dole Whip. I love the orange soft serve. Just that soft serve counter there, the Aloha Isle, I think it's called. Um, it's amazing. It's magical. And it's one of those, and I'll yep. be honest with you, I really, it, previously, the only places you could get it was the Polynesian Village Resort and Adventureland. They've opened that up to where you can get it at different places. And I don't like that. I want it just those two places. You got to go to get it. You don't. You should not be able to get it at various other resorts or downtown Disney or Disney Springs or wherever it is you go. Those should be the only two places you can get that stuff. Well, I think that ship has sailed, my friend. Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <Let's>... <laughs> I I like the pineapple float. I like the soft serve in the pineapple juice. I, I'm probably with you on Jungle Cruise being my favorite. Um, and what, the thing with Jungle Cruise that I think because I like the, the history of it, right? Like. I think what's so cool about Jungle Cruise is Walt Disney's actual dream really did come to be in the safari. Right. Because that's what he wanted the Jungle Cruise to be. They just logistically at the time could figure out how to make it happen. And so yeah, that whole area, I mean, we've talked about pirates. Have we done have we done Frontierland? We just did it or we went to it. We're about to go to Frontierland. That's our last land, Frontierland. So so yeah, let's 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 go to Frontierland. I love the the for me, the good, the magical. I love Tony Baxter's Big Thunder Mountain, the the wildest ride in the wilderness, Big Thunder Mountain, and I love it at night. At night, it is like it's bumpy and you, you're all over the place. It's a fantastic attraction. It's just I I love that whole area. I love the I think that's the thing about the Magic Kingdom that's just so fun. 
that the areas are so well defined and so clear. You know, it was the first that first idea of a hub and spokes off the wheel that was you know that was innovative in the theme park industry. You know, the bad in that area, there definitely is nothing good to eat. I, I know people love Pecos Bills, and I'm going to get hate mail. Yeah, I will agree with that. Pecos Bills is, I'm not a big barbecue fan, and I'm not a big spice fan. And so that's something you get at Pecos Bills is barbecue and spicy foods. And I just like, yeah, this is not for me. And then there's a, there's a, a, a restaurant across from Pirates that's just like, there's two things on the menu. <laughs> Tortugas. Yeah, it's just like, come on. Is that right? Tortugas? Yeah. yeah. I do love they did like a nacho challenge where you could get the very first thing we did it where you could get like 10 people and they basically cover your table of nachos. That was a lot of fun. And then they made us all sheriffs of the Magic Kingdom. I've got a hat and a certificate that says I'm a sheriff of the Magic Kingdom and a, and a badge. But uh, <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the magical, right? It's finding those little things that are kind of unknown that are little. They hop up, they come and they go like, hey, let's do all. I mean, it was literally it was probably dude, 50 pounds of food that they poured out on the table of nachos and sour cream and guacamole and meat. And, you know, they took one of those giant, uh, like when you go to like the pizza hut back in the early days or those clear pitchers just full of cheese and poured them all over the nachos. It, it was gross and fantastic and magical and tasty and delightful all at the same time. And I, you know, that sounds delicious. Yeah. And, and that's, what's magical, right? Like I, I had, I had one of our sponsors and I had this guy that was like a CEO of a company and he like took his tie off for the day, but still wore like a dress shirt. And I talked to him. I was like, dude, you got to do this. He's in the hat. We're doing the dance, taking the pledge to be the sheriff. And I think that's what Magic Kingdom does more than anything. And it's like, ah, oh, it's a kid's park. You know, the real magical thing about all of the park is that park is full of attractions. There's so much to do. There's you'd be hard pressed to do the whole thing in a day. And the really there are still things that I'm still finding and nuances and little benches and places to sit and things to snack on. and. We haven't even mentioned, you know what? Here's my magical in the area is Tom Sawyer Island. I love that place. It takes me to a happy place. That's my end. Also another underrated place that people forget that's even there. Yeah. For me, I probably would say Big Thunder Mountain. It's how great it is, how much fun that is. It's it's great, at, like you said, at night. It's a longer roller coaster, so so it's not just like 90 seconds. Uh, it's, it's a step up from Mine Train and obviously Barnstormer, but not quite Space Mountain. So if you're somebody who likes coasters, but you're a little motion – for a little motion sickness, it doesn't have the loop-de-loops or the complete rickety shape, rickety feel that Space Mountain does. It's it's up and down is what it is, and so you're going to get some of that. And um, it's themed really well. You know, there's hidden Mickey's all over the place, which is fun to find. For me, the the I guess that's really magical for me because I love Big Thunder at night. Uh, the good is the mercantile. I love the mercantile shop. There's a pin shop, and we're pin traders in our family. We love pins, and that's one of the best places to find pins is right there at the mercantile. Now they've pulled back from pins some. They don't have nearly as many as they used to, unfortunately. But but it's a great place to go for pins, which I've I, I find to be awesome. Uh, so the mercantile is there, and the bad really is, I guess that, and this is something you can't really fix. But once you're over at Big Thunder, there's no way out than to go back the way you came. And if it's a crowded day, you're stuck in that corner of the park. If you've got fast passes for Space Mountain or something, that's a long way to walk through a whole lot of people. <laughs> and it's a bad place to get caught. And if you're caught by the parade, it's even tougher because when the, par- the parade starts right there by Frontierland and it comes through. And if the parade's coming through and you're ready to walk through, you have to wait till a gap in the parade to be able to get across. And so they can get a little congested in there. But uh, but overall, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic land. I love how defined each land is. Um, and you know this too. You go to Disneyland. It, it's such a small park. You can like touch Adventureland over here and then lean to the right a little bit. And there's Liberty Square. It's like right there together, 
Whereas in Ma- in Walt Disney World, it's so spread out. In Magic Kingdom, you can kind of as you walk, you kind of go from one land to the other, slowly dissolves from one land to this land to that land, which is which is you especially see that from uh, from when you're walking from Frontierland as it goes into Liberty Square. You watch the buildings, watch the decor. It slowly dissolves from old rustic west into a colonial setting, and obviously that's by design. Yeah, and you don't actually have Liberty Square in Disneyland. You yeah. have New Orleans oh, yeah. Square. You know, and that's the other thing. It's like the parks are all, even the parks all around the world, they've left something that's different. So they're not, you know, they just haven't duplicated the whole thing. So Liberty Square, that's one of the magical things about that for sure, that it's it's only there. It's unique. So, man, if we we've covered, covered the whole we've thing. We've covered the whole we thing. We've done the things? entire park. We've talked for an hour um, on everything. This is this is now officially the longest podcast episode I've done for Magic on a Dollar. It only took 40 episodes. So congratulations on that. You're also the first male guest I've had on. I've had uh, my friend Jennifer on a couple times. So oh. uh, so the first male guest who's come on. So uh, so we've got to hear male voice, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, breaking records all over the place, Terry Weaver. Very cool. Yeah, if if there's if there's one for being long winded <laughs> on a podcast, I'm get I I I I've done that on one other show this week. So man, it's a it's a it's a fun record to break. You know what? And the thing is, is there's so right. much to oh, talk yeah. about, right? Well, man, thank you so much for having me on the show. You mentioned the discount code earlier. Yeah, I did for the thing. Yes. So here it is. So if you go to the thething.live, that's where you sign up. And the discount code you guys are gonna love it is dollar is my homeboy. Yeah, he is. That's the discount code. Um, and somebody who designed shirts, get me a dollar as my homeboy shirt. I will wear that thing proudly. Um, <laughs> I will wear that thing. And, proudly. Uh, I'll be my own homeboy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Very cool. And that information will be so, again on the show notes. Go to the page. If you, if you missed the website or you can't find it for whatever reason, uh, go to magicandadollar.com. Go to the podcast page. You'll see the show notes for episode number 41 uh, featuring Terry Weaver and click on the links there. I'll take you straight to the thing. Take you straight to his website where the book is um, and check out Terry Weaver. He's a, he's a good dude. You're a good dude, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being on the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. We'll have to do it again. See an elephant fly. <laughs> well, I see the horse fly. Ah, I see a dragon fly. <laughs> I see the house fly. <laughs> <laughs> And that is going to do it for this edition of the Magic on a Dollar podcast. I know it was a long show, and I really appreciate you guys listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Terry. He's a good guy. I, I failed to mention that he is the co-host of the WDW Today podcast. Find all his information on terryweaver.com. You'll also see the, the link to the thing, uh, the the code. If you want to save some money on a ticket, it's dollar is my homeboy. And if you want to make me a shirt, then somebody get on that. That'd be great. We'll sell those shirts, and maybe I might be the only one to buy one. But, hey, it'd be a fun shirt to have. Find my information daviddollar.net you'll go there and see all of my stuff uh, writings and there's Disney stuff and everything it's all there uh, find me online at magic on a dollar on Twitter and on Instagram you can also find me on Facebook magic on a dollar and Disney on a dollar and of course you can email me about your Disney trip and that is magic on a dollar at gmail.com thanks again for listening go to iTunes subscribe to the show download the show review the show five star rating is wonderful that's the most magical rating possible but, you know, you, you do you. You do what you think you need to do, and, and, and I would appreciate you paying attention just the same. Don't forget to thank a Phoenician. 